0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 77 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hit that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dance, for those of you who have been asking me on Twitter, when am I going to have Dion Sanders on the podcast? I know I have been promoting it for quite a while now on Twitter and Instagram over the summer. Uh, Dion is a pretty tough guy to get a hold of, but I can tell you now that I have finally spoken with the NFL Hall of Fame legend known as Prime Time, and he will be joining me right here on First Class Fatherhood for Wednesday's episode, which will be episode 78. So come on, dads, lock it in. Subscribe to the podcast. You really don't want to miss out on that episode. And if you listen to the podcast on the regular, you will know how much I admire and I respect and look up to our Navy SEALs. And I am blessed again today to be joined by another Frogman, former Navy SEAL and best-selling author, Brent Gleason, will be here in just a few minutes. So please stick around for that interview. I really can't express how grateful I am to have all the listeners out there, all the dads, all the moms who have really shown me so much support. I started this podcast, as many of you know, on a whim just a little over five months ago. And I had about 14 listeners on my very first episode. And from the little acorn grew the mighty oak, as I like to say here. And I have now, since that episode, I have spoken with so many fathers. Uh, Dion will be my fourth NFL Hall of Famer that I've spoken to. I've been honored to speak to so many military members, many Navy SEALs, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs, and really dads from all over the place. And it really has been uh, humbling for me to see how far this podcast has gone already. And really, I have my sights set on much bigger goals here for the podcast. It's been very encouraging to hear all the feedback from so many of you listeners out there. And it's important, guys, the message, it is important. Uh, Fatherhood is something that needs to be celebrated. Family values is something that needs to be cherished. Hopefully this podcast is doing a little something to shine some light on the importance of fatherhood. I know so many places in society, uh, our view of women has changed as moms. Uh, They are no longer viewed in the same way that they were years ago. And that really hasn't changed as much for dads. I mean, we're still kind of looked at as, uh, you know, the dopey dad who brings home the bacon and that's about it. But it's, it's not the case. And if you go back and listen to so many of my episodes, uh, there are so many dads that just agree that we are not viewed equally when it comes to parenting. I know just from speaking to uh, several divorced fathers and single dads out there, you really don't need to look any further than our legal system where when it comes to uh, family court, the mother always has the advantage over the father just by walking in the door. And a lot of that needs to change. Uh, We know women get, rightfully so, they get about six months worth of maternity leave when they have a baby. The father, he's got to take a sick day or he's got to take a vacation time if he wants to spend some time with the newborn. And that's another thing that needs to change. And if you listen to so many of the dads I've had on the podcast, another thing that we have in common is that we are sick and tired of the every kid gets a trophy philosophy that has been really just crippling our kids. And it really needs to change. Uh, I applaud all my listeners out there. Thank you for showering me with so much support. And I can tell you this much. The best is yet to come here on First Class Fatherhood. So come on, dads, lock it in. This podcast is on fire. We have hit number one on iTunes for kids and family several times here. So the message is important. People do care and fatherhood rocks, family values rule. So, all right, I'm going to smack you guys with a quick spot here, letting you know how you could become a monthly contributor to the podcast if you're interested. And then I'll be right back here with former Navy SEAL Brent Gleason. I'm Alec Lace and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father. He is a former Navy SEAL He is the best-selling author of Taking Point, a Navy SEAL's 10 Fail-Safe Principles for Leading Through Change. He is a keynote speaker and so much more than that. It is my honor to say, Brent Gleason, welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thank you so much. Great to be on the show.
0: All right. Let's get this started here. How many kids do you have and how old are they?
1: (laughs) We've got three kids and uh, kind of working on the fourth, but uh, we have a 12-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old currently.
0: Awesome, awesome. What kind of denominations do you got right now, boys and girls?
1: Uh, The oldest is uh, twelve. His name is Tyler, and he just started seventh grade. We've got a four-year-old daughter named Parker Rose. Uh, She's in preschool starting on Monday. And we've got a two-year-old boy named Ryder James, who will also be starting preschool for the first time uh, on Monday with with his sister. What type of sports or activities are the kids into? Uh, Tyler, the oldest, is pretty much a flag football fanatic. He wants to Put the pads on maybe next year, but uh, these days flag football has become uh, pretty popular, and I think a lot of parents agree there's no point in putting the pads on until later. Um, And they're learning speed and fundamentals uh, and whatnot. And then Parker Rose, our daughter, is into dance and gymnastics and horseback riding. And we live in a very equestrian area, so uh, lucky me, she loves horses. (laughs) Very expensive hobby, apparently.
0: Yes, horses were very costly for me as well as a kid. Unfortunately, mine was with horse racing, so a little bit different, but I hear that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And then riders, too, so he just likes walking around and breaking stuff.
0: Okay, a little Hulk smasher. I've had one of them. Uh, Do you coach at all, or do you prefer to watch more and coach from the sidelines?
1: I, I'll, I'll assistant coach, but I travel so much. Uh, I mean, when I'm in town, I go to every practice, I go to every game, uh, but I haven't been able to commit to full-time coaching just because uh, I travel almost every week. So,
0: Okay, Brent, I know you put a big emphasis on leadership. We're going to hit on your book in just a minute here, uh, but there is no bigger leadership role than fatherhood. So please tell me, how do some of your principles of leadership apply to fatherhood?
1: Well, it's a great question, and, and actually uh, a lot of the principles in uh, my book about leading through change. Uh, uh, we've I've talked about it on other podcasts and TV shows related to how those principles can apply in a family setting. Uh, in fact, one of the TV shows I did during sort of the book promotion right after it came out was the home and family show. And so they love the book, but they're like, let's take these principles and take a look at them from a family perspective, uh, a leadership aspect when it comes to parenting, especially fatherhood. And we got into a really good conversation about how those principles of uh, building uh, the culture that you want within your family—I mean, that's a leadership role. It's not anything else. Uh, really defining and, and managing the family based on core values and instilling those core values in your in your children. Uh, obviously, you know, co-parenting with your spouse is a, is a great leadership uh, exercise and challenge because uh, good leaders from the top uh, have to be totally aligned. Uh, in their approach and their value system and their communication, obviously <laughs> you know as well as I do, and everybody else listening does it's never going to be perfect, and it's a full time job in and of itself, um, but really finding that uh, that alignment um, leading with the values, uh, instilling uh, faith, whatever that might be, sort of a faith based um, parenting leadership approach, and then hoping for the best
0: <laughs> well said, what are some of the things you learned as a Navy seal that have helped you in fatherhood?
1: I think if I had to start with a, a couple, it would be, be really discipline and accountability. Uh, those are two, uh, aspects and, and somewhat of the burden of command of leadership is that, you know, you gotta lead by example, you gotta lead from the top, and you can't expect discipline and accountability from those you lead unless you are, uh, have the utmost levels of discipline and accountability yourself. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, those sounds you know, kind of rigid, but, when you can be highly disciplined, it really does instill trust. Uh, it improves communication, um, and it really bonds any type of team uh, closer together. Uh, it improves the culture. It improves morale and efficiency. Same thing applies in a family setting. Uh, I have to hold myself accountable to the things I say I'm going to do and fulfill the promises that I, uh, that I make. Uh, and then if I can do that in a consistent manner, then I can expect the same, hopefully, from, uh, from my children
0: okay yeah you know that takes care of a bit of my next question but i'll fire it off anyway here how do you handle failures as a dad maybe blaming the wrong kid for the wrong thing something along that line
1: uh through transparent communication uh taking ownership uh, over those failures and you know apologizing uh depending on what it is i remember (laughs) remember, (laughs) uh, it was last year and my oldest son uh who has, uh, you know, a bit of a history of, you know, kind of sandbagging a little bit when he uh, doesn't feel like going to school or wants to get out of going to football practice and, you know, his stomach hurts or his allergies are backing up or his his leg hurts, you know. <laughs> we had a bit of a history of that, so it's a little bit of the boy cries wolf sometimes. And there was a week uh, last year where, you know, his stomach wasn't, you know you know, wasn't feeling so great and he was just really tired and wasn't waking up in the morning, and I was like, here we go. You know, he's just <laughs> he's trying to get out of going to school or getting out of football practice. And several days of this go by, and I'm like, maybe, God, maybe he really is not feeling so well. <laughs> I took him to the doctor, and they're like, you need to get him to the ER right oh, now. Oh, boy. <laughs> His appendix had burst. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> in fact, I felt so bad. Um but uh, obviously he had an immediate surgery and was fine. But I, I had to take ownership over that one. <laughs> like, But but it was also a coaching moment as well. It went both ways. I was like, see, when you know, when you uh, exaggerate a little bit on your ailments, then uh, sometimes we aren't always going to believe you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why stories like the boy who cried wolf last the test of time. <laughs> but you hit on something there that I've spoken with a lot of dads about, and that is apologizing to our kids. I could never have dreamed of my father saying I'm sorry to me f- for anything. Uh, but it seems very popular with this generation of fathers.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I agree. My my father would have never apologized. For, you know, we would have moved past it and just never talked about it. Um, but something happened, actually, just to you know, kind of be real with you, something happened uh, yesterday where we um, – I it was Monday. We were at a Labor Day event here in, in Rancho Santa Fe, and – um, I, I, I jokingly usually say that sibling rivalry knows no age boundaries <laughs> because for some reason, every now and then, you know, our oldest 12 year old and his four year old sister, they just go at it. They know how to push each other's buttons. And my wife and I are like, Tyler, you're 12, <laughs> she's four. But at the same time, you know, 12 year olds have feelings too. It goes both ways. And, uh, I was getting on him about, uh, pushing his sister's buttons and, uh I was like you need to be the older one, take ownership, be more mature. Um and you know, if she's pushing your buttons, just brush it off. Just walk the other way. You don't need to respond. <laughs> we'll do the parenting. Um and I was coming down on him and I took him aside. I was like, you know, sit down, we need to talk. And he uh he got kind of emotional and he was he was explaining that sometimes when we uh come down on him for um you know pushing his sister's buttons, but when she does it to him You know, from his perspective, we don't react in the same manner, I guess, from our perspective, because she's four. And, um, you know, we we do, uh, obviously, reprimand. But at the same time, he basically explained that he's like, I don't feel like I have a voice that's being heard. Uh, When I say that, you know, she's doing this or that, you guys brush it off, say, Tyler, you're 12, and that's it. But when she does it to me, you know, you guys don't do much. So it, uh, it was an interesting conversation. It, you know, I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but and he's, he can be—he's—he's he's an emotional person. Um, that's just his nature. But at the same time, it was—it was interesting um, to see him really be open and honest and, and talk about how he feels sometimes that he doesn't have a voice, even though we're talking about such a huge age gap. So it was something to consider from a parenting perspective.
0: Yeah, it's great to hear you speak on that because I have three boys. And I have that issue myself with my 12-year-old and my 7-year-old. Uh, sometimes it's very brutal, their relationship together. So uh, it's very good to hear you speak on that. And since you do have a 12-year-old, I'm very curious about how you handle tech time with your kids, social media. Uh, is he caught up
1: with the Fortnite craze at all? Don't get me started on Fortnite, my friend. <laughs> um... <laughs> I let's just say I haven't seen my son uh, most of the summer <laughs> he, All right. for if he's not doing his chores or, uh, walking the dogs or, uh, you know, you know, outside, you know, with his friend, he's playing Fortnite, but the weird, and, and Fortnite's got to become such a phenomenon. I mean, they did a whole story on, on it on, like good morning America, the today show yesterday. Um, you see it in TV commercials. I think they've been around a year. They're already valued over a billion dollars. Their revenue model is phenomenal, but also, it's the most highly addictive video game I think that's ever been created. <laughs> but at, at the same time, from a military perspective, it teaches teamwork, communication, uh, strategy. <laughs> my my son, uh, you know, has an intimate understanding of most assault weapons now.
0: Um, now, do you get in there and dominate the leaderboards? Are you playing with
1: them? No. <laughs> I don't know how to work those controllers. Yeah, But, but it is kind of funny. My wife and I will be passing through the room and – or we find ourselves sitting down, asking questions, and, <laughs> and providing advice, and tactical advice. Um, but, but in all seriousness, it, it is a discussion. There are literally uh, – this was part of the news show yesterday. There are Fortnite support groups for parents, seriously.
0: Oh, I, be- I believe it.
1: I believe it. <laughs> through, through social media. I, I actually did a post on LinkedIn, a picture of Tyler playing Fortnite, and I took a poll. You know, I it said, got you know, about you – know, Ten thousand LinkedIn connections, and I took a poll, and it just went—I don't know if "viral" is the word—but it just got so much response, and people providing advice and, and feedback, and you know, sort of that dichotomy of, of, you know, how you know how much do we let them play, how much do you regulate it. Um, but I will say, when when you have a child who's so passionate about something it also is a great tool uh for um for discipline because you just take it away (laughs) yeah yeah you're right about that
0: i'm sure one of the most popular sentences this summer amongst parents was clean your room or no (laughs) fortnight all right it is now time for a word from today's sponsors and i'll be right back with more of the action on first class fatherhood (laughs) <laughs> okay, you're crushing it as an entrepreneur. I know you're into digital marketing, real estate, and more. Uh, were you always into that sort of stuff, or when did that entrepreneurial bug give you the bite?
1: I uh, I uh, graduated, I did undergrad at SMU in Dallas, uh, double majored in finance and economics, and then I took a job as a financial analyst with a large commercial real estate investment firm. Um, my dad had been in the business for many years. That's not necessarily why I did it, but it was a great Networking path to getting my first job out of college. I knew, you know, having been a uh, finance, you know, by education person, uh, it was a good path to, to landing that first job out of college. Um, and then one of my, I'll shorten the story, but one of my fraternity brothers actually talked me into the idea of quitting my job, joining the Navy, and trying out for the SEAL program. <laughs> so after. After much dialogue and some training, I eventually decided to to leave that job, and I knew that business would be there when I when I was done with that you know, part of my life. And uh, so when I got out, I figured I would you know get my MBA, and you know and it was it, you know, the real estate market is just booming all over the country and the world. And I figured, well, why not use a little bit of that momentum that I already have, uh, go to grad school, and you know possibly get into that side of the business again. Uh, met my could business partner in grad school and um, started – it was more – the companies have been mostly technology-focused. The first one was a, basically like an early version of Trulia or Zillow as a home-finding search engine because uh, we were riding that, that real estate bubble all the way to the top. Wow, <laughs> right yeah. We were like, this ride's never going to end, <laughs> and then the global economy imploded. Um, and then we learned so much about digital marketing, media, and analytics just by running that business. Uh, we decided to start a, an agency, a digital marketing and, and media and analytics agency, um, where uh, to, to diversify ourselves a little bit, obviously, uh, to, to where we could have clients that were not tied to such uh, cyclical uh, industries. And that, you know, we raised some more money for that business and it doubled in size every year, um, sold that off about two years ago. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say I was always passionate about those specific uh industries per se, but you know a lot of times entrepreneurship is about finding a white space, finding an opportunity and going all in. Uh I, I'm more passionate about building teams, building organizations, um, creating great cultures, great places to work, uh, you know, leading people, um, not necessarily about the specific industries that I've been in previously. Now that being said, uh I've been you know, about six years ago I started writing and speaking a lot more and studying more around leadership, culture transformation improving engagement and productivity in the workplace and applying a lot of the, you know, a lot of the cultural and foundational principles uh, that build high-performance teams in the special operations community and how we can learn from that and apply those principles and disciplines into building better organizations designed to achieve, you know, great financial returns uh, in the civilian work sector. Um, So doing a lot of speaking about that, I speak usually about 60 to 75 times a year all over the world, Uh, write for Forbes and for Inc. on these topics. Um, My best-selling book came out uh, this past year.
0: Yeah, I was just going to hit you with that, so let's get it in there. Uh, What could you tell my listeners and I about Taking Point and Navy SEAL's 10 Fail-Safe Principles for Leading Through Change? It's
1: basically a modern 21st century version of some of the other books you've seen out there, like Leading Change and John Cotter. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. Um, But a lot of it, it's obviously a different angle. Like I said before, it it takes and, and some of the pages out of the the almost constant state of change and transformation that the special operations community has been in in our post-9-11 reality and applies that to the more disruptive, fast-paced world of of modern business and how technological advancements and disruption are forcing organizations to grow faster with fewer resources to be in a constant state of change and transformation. But both companies and organizational leaders and managers haven't quite uh, been able to keep up <laughs> with the pace of change and learn how to really lead change because it's probably one of the more complex aspects of leadership uh, in any environment, whether you're on the battlefield or in a, a fast-paced, high-growth organization uh, or just trying to remain relevant and competitive in your space. Um, so the book breaks down ten principles about really uh, aligning culture with strategy, uh, improving accountability and communication and trust, uh really improving employee engagements because organizational change efforts require the participation of the majority of the workforce and if they don't that's why actually about seventy percent of organizational change strategies fall short of being their objectives because there's lack of leadership alignment, there's lack of engagement and participation, uh and usually there's more significant hard uh significant hard and soft costs than people anticipate. So um it it's uh we start experiencing what I call change battle fatigue. And I've I've experienced it in my own companies. Uh, I've led uh, successfully and unsuccessfully led major transformations in my own companies and have learned a lot both from not just research but from my own um, experiences in my own companies. And when it was time to sell the business, the next path was to write the book, and then the book is also designed to be the foundation of our business transformation consulting practice.
0: Awesome. Let me reel it back into fatherhood a bit here. What can you tell me about the differences between you had the boy first and then the girl? What were some of the differences of raising the boy and then adding the girl dynamic?
1: Oh, that was a huge thing. Girls, <laughs> girls are amazing. Uh, they're so different, though. Um, especially when I compare the the two that are closer in age, but, you know, Parker Rose and Ryder. And Ryder's just—he's pure boy. I mean, he—he'll—and I don't even know where he gets this, but he'll, anything he picks up is a gun. <laughs> I don't care if it's a post it note, a pencil, or an actual toy gun. He'll <laughs> he'll hold Get it out up. of town. He'll hold it up to his eye and he'll move tactically through the room. He'll pie corners. I I've not taught, taught him any close quarters combat skills. <laughs> but uh, he's just got it in his blood. Um, whereas Parker Rose, you know, walks around the house in multiple different uh colored outfits, tutus and leggings and uh bows in her hair and she likes ballet and dance and playing with her her stuffed animals (laughs) so so it's uh it's different in, in the most wonderful way possible
0: okay i'll use your little guy playing with toy guns to kind of segue into this next question here i know they're young yet but given what you know now about the military how would you feel about your kids following in your footsteps when the time comes and joining the military?
1: Yeah, as you can imagine, I get that question a lot. And I guess the simplest answer, I, I would have to be cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I, my parents were – I keep in mind when I decided to you know, leave my finance job and join the Navy, it was pre just, just pre-9-11. We were about nine months away from 9-11. And so it was a different mindset, kind of a different um, approach to service Uh, Whereas I have so much respect for uh, our young men and women these days joining up now during wartime. Uh, I mentor uh, young men into the SEAL program and have so much respect for them because they know they're going downrange. They know they're going to go to war. I mean, what you do and where we're operating obviously changes at the speed of war. But, you know, we still have conflicts that are growing all over the world. And, you know, these young men and women, you know, know they're serving, you know, for for a higher purpose, not just to serve your country, but, to Defend this great nation. Um, so, if you know either one of my boys or daughter said they wanted to join, I would, <laughs> I would, certainly wouldn't necessarily encourage it, especially at the special operations level. But if they were really passionate about it, then I would be, I would, I would be give them the utmost support.
0: All right, and just because it's been trending so much here, let me see if I can get your opinion on this. The Nike ad with Kaepernick about sacrifice and all that. Uh, what's your take on the players who are taking a knee during the national Anthem?
1: Uh, I don't really, honestly, I haven't <laughs> tried to stay away from that topic, but, um, you know, being a, a, you know, a Patriot and whatnot, I, you know, obviously my first inclination is, um, to, to think it's just, it's garnering way too much attention. Uh, I think that the amount of attention that's garnered has, has blown it up into what it is now. Um, Obviously, we have, you know, a freedom of speech, but at the same time, we also, uh, in my opinion, need to, you know, respect the flag, respect where we come from, respect our history. Um, And it just depends really on understanding, you know, what is the real motivation, you know, behind this. Is it to get attention? Is it to get a Nike deal? (laughs) Is it because you really, really, truly believe in in that cause? Uh, Is it a combination thereof? Um, without understanding that, it's kind of hard to you know, to, to put a finger on it. I think some people who are part of that type of movement really do passionately believe in it and, and hope to make a difference, and I think the rest are followers.
0: All right, what do you got coming up that we can look forward to here? I know that you do a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, I understand you'll be at the Conclave of Warriors in December. I've had the honor of interviewing uh, fellow teammates Jason Redman and Ray Kerr, amongst others that will be speaking there. Uh, but what do you have coming up on the horizon here? Where can we find you?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I've got uh, next week. I'm in Nashville. Um, a company putting on an event. They're called True North, uh, but they're a big uh, uh trucking insurance company. Uh, so one of their big annual events. I'm the keynote for Nashville. Um, got a, a week at home after that, and then once I get into October, it's uh, the speeding freight train. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even remember all the cities I'm going to be in, but uh, I have about 15 events in October. So it's going to be going to be going to be wild.
0: OK, uh, last thing I want to hit you with here. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice could you give to the new father or to the about to be dad that's out there listening?
1: Uh, just take it one day at a time. Uh, remember that, uh, it, you know, it's not easy and uh, you just got to you know keep that uh, positive middle attitude. Um, but it's just remembering that even when the times get hard, I was, a, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but I was a full time single dad for three years uh, before I met my, you know, my wife and we have two more kids with. Um, and it was hard. Uh, it was very, very difficult, but looking back, I wouldn't trade those, those, uh, moments for anything in the world. So when you're feeling exhausted, you're feeling frustrated, just remember that this is a gift from God and it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you.
0: All right. That's going to wrap it up. Brent Gleason. I want to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on first class fatherhood.
1: Really appreciate you bringing on, uh, bringing me on the show. And, uh, uh, based on the names you've said uh in great company so far and uh appreciate everything you're doing and uh maybe we'll, hopefully we'll do it again someday
0: you bet we'll be right back after a quick spot
1: Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I
0: got to give a special thank you once again to Brent Gleason for giving me a few minutes of his time. I really appreciate that. I've been honored to have him and so many of his teammates here on First Class Fatherhood. If you've missed any of my interviews with some of his teammates and other frogmen, please go back. You're going to find a pile of them in the archives, and you're going to enjoy each and every one just as much as I enjoy bringing them to you. So please... Take a look back at some of the previous episodes and check them out. All right. Next episode dropping is going to be 78, and it's the moment many of you have been waiting for. It will be the Deion Sanders interview. So please lock it in. Subscribe to the podcast here. Pass it around. Sharing is caring. All right. And that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber or a monthly contributor to the podcast, I should say. And I will see you here on Episode 78 with Dion Sanders. I'm Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>